0: Hi, welcome to BL podcast. Chennai based WayCool is one of India's leading agri-commerce firms. It has come a long way after it was launched 7 years ago. The firm operates in South India and Maharashtra and it also has some outlets in the United Arab Emirates. It buys from farmers across India and also apples from about 110 orchards abroad. Vekool co-founder and managing director, Karthik J. Raman is with us to share his company's plans and its way forward. Welcome, sir, to BL Podcast. Can we have some insights into what Vekool has been doing till now and its way forward?
1: Uh, we are a seven-year-old direct supply chain company. We work with a large base of farmer or near-farmer organizations such as FPOs hmm. to procure raw products and produce. Fresh produce, grains and staples, and milk is what we buy. Where applicable, we process these and then uh, distribute these through our network of distribution centers to a large number of retailers. We deal with 55,000 retailers every month. What we call as monthly active users are 55,000. Our uh, customer base is 100,000. And we are present in uh, exclusively in southern India. We include Maharashtra and in southern India. And we tend to stay focused in this geography. We deal with about about 2000 tons per day of food, 40% of which is fresh produce and the rest is grains and staples and dairy products. That is our business. We work with about uh, actively at any given point in time, we are buying from between 8 and 10,000 farmers. Our farmer base is about 150,000 as we speak. We run a network of 52 distribution centers, 20 odd collection centers. and. We have a network of 22 processing partners through whom, for example, dairy plants, uh, repacking units, et cetera, through which the supply chain operates. The value, I guess, what we try and bring to the table is that uh, all of this operates on one single integrated technology stack. So you know, I'm sure there are quite a few farm to fork companies that you have met, which have an app through which the retailer can place an order. We have the same thing as well. But we also have the entire back end laid out on the same platform. For example, if you are a retailer, you will probably place an order on me at 7pm today for delivery tomorrow morning. I have already predicted your demand and I have placed a uh, corresponding order to the collection center, which in turn picks up the material from the farmer. So uh, equally, I am aware of what the farmer supplies. They may not supply what we ask and the quantities that we ask. So there will be a difference, but I have to fulfill your requirement. So we have real-time tracking of goods in transit and uh, you know at the at midnight we know the gap between supply and demand which we are able to place as an order to our Monday partners and therefore achieve uh, you know good fill rates as far as the customer is concerned. That's really what we do. Essentially, we are a supply chain company and uh, the idea is that we use technology to improve both the efficiency and responsiveness of the supply chain. We do a few additional things uh, uh, over and above this. There are some additional services that we offer to our retailers. For example, the retailers that have been with us for long, we enable credit for them through lenders. So they can apply for this credit digitally through our app. And uh, based on the transaction history, there are NBFCs which offer them credit lines of 30 days, 45 days, etc. That makes their business easier. And the rates are quite reasonable. Similarly, with the farmers, we have an agricultural extension platform called Outgroup, where farmers can receive a, a large number of advisory services, they can get soil health tested, they can get weather information, uh, both at macro and micro level. So, we have a device which if they buy, they can get micro level weather information. Otherwise, they get it from the usual uh, you know, government weather map sources, etc. Uh, disease detection is possible so we have trained our artificial intelligence for about 71 diseases so they can use the same smartphone app and take a photograph of the leaf and it will give uh, 85 to 90 percent accuracy tells them what is the disease what is the cure to be done and there is a call center available if they want further inputs mundi prices are available transparently so that they also get to know if they deal with us what is the price they get if they deal with the monday what is the price they get they can take a rational choice based on that the intent is to bring transparency and uh, we have a set of uh, we have our own uh, practitioners for regenerative agriculture and uh, reduction in the use of artificial inputs which we share as videos of good practices uh, through the same app itself so the idea here is that we don't want to be a transactional partner with the farmers we want to engage with them and uh, help them along in their journey towards more value per acre lesser inputs per acre and so on. We are not, we are not uh, activists, Uh, we are not necessarily advocates either, but we make the practices available so that they can choose on their own what they want to follow and take it forward.
0: Yes. So when was this launched? What are the
1: basic objectives? We launched it in July 2015 and uh, the serious ramp up began in April 2016. For us, each of us had a different motivation to come into this space. I I come from the manufacturing industry and I also had a stint in management consulting before that. Obviously, the manufacturing industry perforce has to be competitive when it comes to supply chain management. So that is my learning. And, uh, you know, when you cross 40, you start wondering about whether you can put your skills to some use and uh, You know, uh, you go up Maslow's needs pyramid and maybe you're looking for a different set of needs to be satisfied. I had started getting restless about continuing in the same industry. I thought uh, maybe we can put our skills to better use and more people benefit out of it. My co-founder Sanjay was the person who suggested that we look at food as a space because this was the time when a lot of unorganized supply chains were being organized. And food is something that affects all of us. I mean, 70% of the country is involved in production and 100% of the country consumes. So our thesis was that look, this is a very disparate supply chain. It is a very fragmented supply chain. Uh, Historically, there is a reason for the fragmentation. Our farms are small. And therefore, they do not produce enough to fill a vehicle. And they also produce highly variable grades. Consequently, there is a number of intermediation steps required to grade, sort and consolidate to reach an economic transport quantity. Equally, our purchase behaviors will are uh, such that we buy small quantities frequently from neighborhood stores. The best estimates available are there are 12 million such stores. Naturally, every store buys very small quantities and they replenish almost every second day or third day. Consequently, that full truck that is coming into a big city needs, you know, disaggregation and uh, reorganization. So there are many intermediary steps. Now we keep reading about middlemen uh, extracting supernormal profits. I think the reality is a little more nuanced. These uh, uh, these intermediaries perform an essential function in what is a fragmented supply chain. However, there are two issues that we saw. I mean, we actually what we used to do was in the weekends we used to drive back in reverse down the supply chain, starting from the wholesaler all the way back to the farms, just to understand what is happening in each step. That is when we discovered that there are between 5 and 11 intermediaries involved in every product and everybody was there for a purpose at that point in time. However, there are two effects of this. One is costs. The second is losses. Costs get added up because every intermediary has to eke out their living 3%, 7% margins. Second. Repetitive transport and handling, starting from the TVS-50 that the first intermediary uses to the TATA-8, the last intermediary uses, there are costs involved. Bagging charges, people will transfer from bags to crates and then again to boxes. All of those costs get added up in the this supply chain. This, these are the costs. Uh, there are also losses. I mean, uh, uh, we we still have the overhang of PL for uh, 458 or something as they call it, right? 450 days of supply uh, shortfalls. But frankly, we are a food surplus country. Uh, it's uh, the it's another matter that we don't produce what we need to produce and produce what we don't need to produce. Right. Uh, we are exporting our water by producing excess rice and sugar and selling it out. And uh, we are importing pulses and oil which we need to produce more of. But that's a, uh, th- that is also a problem. But uh, we produce enough. But we also lose as much food as what Brazil consumes in a year. And those losses are partly because You know, in this long supply chain, people don't handle the product properly. And there are physical losses along the way. If you take uh, spinach, spinach loses 23% moisture in six hours, which means the farmer supplied one ton. I'm getting only 750 kg if it is is not handled the right way. But there is a subtler loss, which is uh, the mismatch between demand and supply. All food chains are supply led, which means the farmer produces, somehow takes it to the market, somehow sells it and gets cash and comes back. In reality, they should be demand led The reason is, yes, supply will be volatile. Supply has seasonality effects. Supply has climate change effects, which are now real. And there is a third effect, which is an avoidable effect, which is uh, the bullwhip effect. Uh, because uh, a small fluctuation at the, one, at the consumption end results in a large swing in perceived demand in the farmer end. Uh, but demand is inelastic. In fact, demand is slowly becoming season irrelevant also. People want apples throughout the year, which is why we import apples nine months of the year. So if demand is so stable, if the demand is made visible to the production areas, they will obviously not trust you initially, but at scale, they will start trusting you and align their uh, production to demand and demand led supply chains are always more efficient. This is what we learned in the auto industry, lean manufacturing, etc. is around demand led supply chains. So that is, that was our thesis. And we wanted to try out whether our skills are relevant over here. And that's really how the company started. And uh, there were three enablers which we felt uh, made it appropriate at this time. One, especially in South India, the roads are better, which means I can reach the farm and I can have predictability of my transport. Uh, That was the first uh, enabler. The second enabler was, of course, digitization. Uh, the access of smartphones, the increasing usage of smartphones, not just the, I must thank YouTube and WhatsApp. So I think they have increased smartphone usage across the board across socioeconomic clusters, but people are comfortable relatively to use this. The third is digitization of money. This supply chain was historically lubricated by cash. And the sources of those cash were not always the most sanitary, post demonetization, post a lot of that uh, introduction of digitization and Jandan accounts. It is possible for an organized compliant player like us to transfer money digitally and that brings trust into uh, such an operation. So these three enablers were already set up and we thought we should write those enablers and try a direct supply chain. That was the origin for us.
0: Why did you term it very cool?
1: It was an uncreative engineer's name. Okay. We were evaluating several projects and when we were looking at the food supply chain, we thought initially it will be a cold chain. And therefore, we just picked the, the name Vekul for the project. Okay. Now, when I went to the registrar of companies, they said, "Quickly give me a name. I have no <laughs> first thing. So we said, "Please make this the name." There's no intellectual thought behind it.
0: Where all cool uh, operates today?
1: Yeah, we operate. Uh, we operate across southern India, including Maharashtra. So we're present in all the states and union territories of southern India and Maharashtra, except Goa. We will launch Goa at some point in time. Uh, This is where we sell. We also sell into the UAE because the diaspora there is from the same region Uh, and the supplies also about 18% of UAE's food comes from India. So it makes sense for us to operate in these geographies.
0: So you're exporting.
1: We export also into the UAE. We have our own operation in the UAE. Our buying uh, has to be national because a lot of the products are across the country. And in fact, it is global also because our customers want apples through the year. I import apples from more than 22 countries. We have partnerships with 110 orchards and we import from all these countries. So our buying is global, with of course a large India component and within that a large component from Maharashtra, Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh, and Tamil Nadu, which are big producer states. And our selling is into southern India and. Uh,
0: and uh, all this is done via the I mean, it's a B2B or a B2C? It's a B2B platform.
1: We work with retailers, or, uh, small retailers are our customers.
0: It's an app which do we see the whole
1: thing. It has got both app and physical sales force okay. uh, in some uh, cities, in some areas, the app usage is very high. For the others, we cover with our physical sales force who go out and meet about 35 customers a day.
0: Where are these uh, app usage low? Because that, it also means that people are either uncomfortable or the or the internet access is a bit. Uh, uh,
1: so uh, if you take uh, cities like Bangalore and Chennai and uh, so on, the app usage is very high. Particularly among the folks who are in the fresh produce business, uh, fruit and vegetable shops, they are relatively more comfortable because for them, uh, I mean, their alternative model was to go to the wet market and buy. So this is something that they're willing to adapt. For dry uh, grocery shops, supermarkets, etc., there is conservatism because they are used to a, a person coming and selling the product every week. They're used to salespeople coming on a beat. It's not inability. But it is just uh, you know they're comfortable with that Com- kind of model.
0: The comfort factor. Exactly.
1: We have started seeing app usage there also since we introduced our financial uh, products, because for the financial product it has to be self-service. It is there. They will get the OTP etc. The salesperson cannot intervene there. Once that was introduced, they have started uh, adapting to the app uh, a little more. But this is the background.
0: So you were saying that you know you try to analyze what could be the demand for next morning from yes, a particular sir. buyer or something so yes. you will use ai or machine learning or ai yes it is office. necessary
1: it is necessary to do that and uh, it is used in multiple layers okay. uh, the first is forecasting like you rightly said we now have six years of data and therefore uh, uh, the quality of forecasting is starting to improve uh, one is of course the past consumption of our show, our customers but it's it's not restricted to that Given the recent volatility in terms of climate, et cetera, some of those have to be factored in in terms of buying behaviors. When lemon prices shoots up, lemon is something that people can manage uh, with surprisingly small quantities. So that it is relatively more price elastic. So elasticity is a factor that has to be layered. The onset of festivals and other such elements has to be layered. Uh, extreme weather events has to be layered, such as monsoons. So uh, once we do that, we start getting better and better. We've did, We, uh, you know, very early on, we spotted that there were 23 types of buying patterns. So each of those 23 types of buying patterns, we are uh, gathering more data, learning better and better and getting better at forecasting. So this is one area where this is applied. The second is uh, we also have a a set of gig workers who go and benchmark prices from various wet markets and dry markets. That uh, we do about 2,400 data points a day. That also tries, uh, in the short term, we use it to back calculate the target price for our farmers. Okay. In the long term, we use that to see trends and see what's going on and uh, therefore start uh, you know predicting a little ahead. I mean being in the commodity space, you know how, how predictable or unpredictable these are. But we have some data now we think we can do some work in that area. So that is another area where some um, basic machine learning is applicable. There are two other areas where we apply some artificial intelligence. One is, uh, we also provide some recommendations to our retailers. Here, uh, you know, we are seeing some interesting patterns. If you take the city of Chennai, uh, you know, the assumption is that you will sell ponni maybe from Manachanallur or uh, Nellur into that uh, region. But that's not really the uh, perfect assumption. If you go to belts such as Manapakam or uh, uh, Ramapuram, you will find that I can sell what's known as HMT rice from Andhra Pradesh or uh, Mirial and I will get a premium for it because the audience is from that region. Okay. And this data now we are able to get for a, from two or three sources. One is the buying pattern in from our own retailers. The second, we are layering data from Google, demographic data, etc. to understand what is the pattern of demographics in these geographies. For example, if you take a somewhat trivial example, Matunga will be very similar to Mailapur. Okay. Uh, nowadays, it's of course, Sayan. Uh, nowadays, actually, Panvel and Vashi. But in those days, Matunga was very similar to Mylapur. Uh, we are finding that Jainagar 9th block has a substantial Tamil population. Even uh, Chembur in
0: Bombay.
1: Chembur. So, uh, I mean, as Bombay became expensive, we migrated from Watangar yes. to Chembur and now to Ashi, And now my in-laws have migrated back to Ch- Chennai because it is cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But yeah. Uh, so there are such patterns with which we are able to make recommendations. The value of this is, you know, when you offer the right choice to your customer, Your customer is willing to pay you a fair price for the product. The retailer's throughput as well as net realization improves and the retailer sticks with us. For me, the advantage is I deal with all kinds of South Indian rice, So delivering the rice to the retailer is not a problem. It is bringing this intelligence which is valuable and we are starting to see some traction because of this. We introduced Pony in uh, Bangalore, for example, in certain pockets like Hadasuru and we are getting good response. So that is uh, one uh, place where, again, artificial intelligence is used. The other place which is most interesting is in the farmer side where, uh, as I described, we have an agri extension platform called Outgrow. We use uh, AI for two activities. One is early disease prediction using weather data. Uh, This is very critical for products like potato, pomegranate and grapes. If the fungus comes onto the grapes, then uh, you lost the crop. predicting that early is something that will allow the farmer to take action faster. We've reached 85% accuracy in pomegranate blight and a couple of diseases on grapes using this data. The other is disease detection, where you are using images. We now have about a million images with which we are able to identify 71 diseases in 20 crops using AI. So these are the areas where artificial intelligence is applicable. There are many more areas, but this is where we have started work.
0: So, so I mean I'll go by who uh, AI and ml are really uh, you know taking agriculture to a different uh, plane plateau or really elevating agriculture to a different uh, different plane
1: Yes, uh, I think agriculture can become agile and precise uh, with uh, the use of artificial intelligence. It is starting to mature. I mean the early attempts had their uh, limitations but it is starting to mature. In fact, I am just back from a meeting with Wageningen University, where they already have algorithms for late blight detection of potatoes, prediction of on potatoes. Uh, so it is a simple API which you can plug in into your app, and uh, it will help the farmer in a good way. And this is necessary, particularly given the effects. Of the, I mean, we are at the forefront of climate change, whether we like it or not. Some uh, ability to predict is required. But, yeah.
0: What I hear is Cargill is also doing a similar one. I yes. think so, Qualcomm is actually tied up with the news. And others right. are also started. Correct. So, that really looks very promising. I would want to know how many farmers have brought into Supply to you 1 and 2. How many uh, buyers you have from this side? So we have,
1: a, we have a base of more than 160,000 farmers. 1,60,000 farmers. Across the country. Uh, across the country. Okay. At any point in time, we will be buying from between eight and 10,000 of them because of the harvest cycles. But actively, we would have bought from at least 85 to 90,000 of those farmers. Uh, you know, we are the relationship building is quite gradual, you know, a few farmers from an FPO will come supply to us. Once they spread the word more farmers will come to us. So that is the way it goes. And we let it be gradual because trust has to be built in this business. But yeah, around 80 to 85,000 farmers have actively supplied to us either directly or through FPOs, And uh, the base is over 160,000. And all these people are across the country, not uh, across the country. country. Yes, concentration will be in Tamil Nadu, uh, Andhra Pradesh, uh, Karnataka, and Maharashtra, with some farmers from Telangana. uh, Now some farmers have started supplying from Kerala, for example, pineapple. And uh, of course, Punjab is a belt that that supplies uh, you know, Shri Ganga Nagar Supplies, uh, Citrus Fruits, Madhya Pradesh. These are the belts that we buy from typically. Our customers are about, uh, we have 100,000 customers uh, in our database. Okay. Monthly about 55,000 of these buy from us. These are typically small retailers. It includes the UAE. Uh, includes the UAE, yes. UAE is a very small market. It's primarily India right now and uh, about 55,000 retailers buy from us.
0: And apart from this, you have also some, some people from who you import, uh, fruits or like Yes,
1: sir. we, we import from about a hundred orchards, 110 orchards to be precise, uh, across both the hemispheres, Northern and Southern hemispheres, because Northern hemisphere gives it for six months and Southern hemisphere gives it for the other six months. It, their respective Springs is when you get the harvest. So, yeah. Talking about an interesting
0: aspect where you, said you started doing the first thing going from the Small trader who you were selling till the farmer, and you said about 12 to 13 hands with
1: Yes, sir. Dry groceries, like staples, it will be about 11 uh, intermediaries okay. Okay. because you will have a, a primary agent who picks up from the farmer. Then you will have the Mandi trader uh, who is going to help you trade, for example, in Hungund or Nargund or places like those. Then you have some preliminary processors who basically dehusk, do some basic cleaning, uh, etc. Then you have people who store. Then you have speculative traders. Then you have millers. Post millers, you have packing, repacking, wholesaler, distributor, and then the retailer. So dry stables, there are quite a few intermediaries. A
0: few few years ago, I think at least about seven, eight to 10 years ago, MCX data study wheat from the farm to the fork. It said about uh, nearly almost 17, it changed almost 17 hands. And in some cases, you know, it changed from A to B with only the margin being added and no value addition. But I find, Mm -hmm. I find the virus
1: receipt is traded. You're right. Those are the speculative traders.
0: Yeah, But what you're saying is interesting, saying you have found each one finding uh, performing a particular role.
1: Yeah, most of these guys have a role to perform. There is one layer of speculative trading that does happen in certain commodities, but everyone has a role. Uh, There is an aggregation role. There is a storage role. There is a processing role. There are enough roles in the supply chain to be played by various people. It is aggregation and disaggregation that uh, results in a lot of layering. And uh, speculative trading does exist in dry commodities.
0: Whereas, what made me uncomfortable is you are saying that somebody even charged
1: 7%. Oh, yes, sir, 3%, 7%, 10%. These are the types of commissions that you see. A Fresh produce, that is the type of commission that you see. Dry groceries, obviously, the commission will be lower. And uh, your, uh,
0: for You said Bova, but what are the other
1: plans? We are doing a few things. Number one, uh, we will stay focused in Southern India. We understand the the, the customer well. We understand the supply chains well. But we have a lot to penetrate. I mean, this Southern India alone is estimated around 4 million retailers. We would like to be working with at least quarter million of them on a regular basis. So there is considerable amount of penetration to be done. The second is uh, we want to build more capabilities in each of the supply chains. For example, we recently invested into a company called SV Agri, which is based in Pune. SV Agri has some very interesting capabilities. Uh, They have a joint venture with Agrico of the Netherlands, whose help they have developed seven varieties of potato uh, and they're developing eight more varieties of potato, which are suitable for Indian conditions and are very, very climate resilient. Uh, Given the kind of monsoon vagaries, they are very, very resilient potatoes. They also have unique properties such as very low sugar levels for diabetic patients and so on. So uh, this is core IPR and we, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have to bring something new into the industry and not just be an intermediary. So we are building those kind of capabilities. SV Agri has also developed a unique method of growing these, the seed potato tubers through aeroponics, which means you can produce the seed tubers throughout the year. Uh, rather than only do it during one season and that makes the productivity better. They, they, we have another joint venture with a Dutch company called Mooy, M-O-O-I-J, where we are converting the cold storages to uh, ventilated cold storages. And when you do that, the sprouting is reduced, the, the shelf life of the potato is increased, the overall quality uh, is preserved better. In fact, we're working, we're talking to them to see whether we can build one of the first onion cold storages in India. Historically, onion is not cold stored. Yeah. We want to see whether we can do it over here. And the reason is very interesting. People say that the moment you take the onion out of the cold storage, it rots very fast. The reason it rots very fast is water condenses on the onion and water on onion also transpires water. How do you dry the onion is the problem statement over there. And there's technology available to do that. So we want to bring that and build a pilot plant. If it works, we can introduce cold storage for onion also into the country. So these are the kind of technologies that we want to bring in. Another example is uh, we've launched potato flakes recently in the market. This is a very convenient product for chefs to use. And it is also good for the producer because in case there is a surplus supply of potato, potato has a finite shelf life, flakes have a two year shelf life. So, uh, it uh, preserves the product and therefore retains value for the product. So those kind of innovations is what we want to bring in each supply chain. If we do that, I think we will bring sustainable benefits to the farmer and we will also bring a stability in the supply chain. The intention is to reduce volatility in the supply chain. So this, these are a set of capabilities that we want to introduce. The third is a lot of the technology that we have developed was for our own use. But we are getting increasing inquiries saying, can I take your entire Agri stack and apply it in, for example, in Africa or in Europe uh, to work with my farmers? So there are p- companies that buy from the farmers, say, can I use this stack? We are open to that. In fact, we are forming a technology subsidiary that will make these available as a SaaS solution for these players also. So these are the three directions in which we will grow. Uh, you
0: said that you launched the company in July 2015. And then yes. you started actively recruiting in, in 2016. The last six years, yes. Sir. What sort of transformation have you seen in uh, agriculture and farming? Uh, I'm sure that the last two years during COVID, I think we have seen real, I mean, really take off technology, really take off because uh, you know reaching people was, was a problem, and then farmers had to sell all their uh, produce, and also they started to depend more on uh, you know apps, internet, and websites, and other things. Yes. But, uh, but including all these things, what sort of changes have you seen in agriculture, technology-wise and production?
1: I think uh, I would classify this into three or four categories. The ones where uh, the maximum experimentation has happened and continued interest in experimentation is there is in market linkages. Uh, this is also because there are more companies in this space now. There is more aggressive uh, investing into this space by uh, various venture capitalists. And for the farmer, it's a simple thing to do. It's a transaction. So, they, that has been the place which some exam adoption and COVID really drove that. Because in during the first lockdown, there was enough supply, there was enough demand, there were no intermediaries. So, uh, Mondays were closed per force. So, they had, uh, uh, you know, the, the need to adopt technology grew and market linkages rapidly grew. The others follow a more gradual rhythm. I think there are quite a few, for example, uh, platforms that are offering advisory and input services these are seeing increasing adoption and uh, uh, there are geographies that are very good at it Maharashtra for example has been very good at adopting uh, app-based inputs and advisory services and that is the next uh, element where we are seeing increasing traction among the farmers the third is really on the precision agriculture uh, micro irrigation uh, indoor agriculture etc which is which is following with a lag to be honest uh, i think there the wealthier farmers or the ones that have more to lose such as grape farmers uh, are faster in moving that moving in that direction but uh, the rest will take some time for example drone spray spraying et etc of course we had an issue on the drone policy itself which has now been resolved okay. uh, but it will take time for the farmer to genuinely adopt these and do it at scale Equipment rental platforms was an area which I thought were, had a lot of promise, but I realized that, you know, anyway the farmers are leasing the equipment from somebody they know, so the platform didn't solve as much incrementally as they thought uh, it will. You know, combine harvester people there are they're always traveling all over the place renting their equipment. The platform added less than what they thought they would. Have. So in terms of adoption, market linkage has been the maximum adoption. Inputs and advisory services has been the next. I will say financial services is not some uh, shown promise, but not performance. Uh, Agri financing, again, because of verifiability and factors like that. I think some distance needs to go uh, for that to be adopted. Uh, The uh, usage of precision agriculture follows with a lag. That has been my observation.
0: You were saying something about the drone. What was the problem?
1: No, we did, we, the drone policy was not clear earlier on, if you remember, okay. sir. Now, it's, uh, now the government has been backing drones very, very solidly. They're supporting. The they supporting in a very big way. Question is, what are the economics? What is in it for the farmer to use a drone is something that has to be demonstrated to the farmer. We will see as we go along. I think one of the universities in
0: Andhra Pradesh or, or Telangana, they are trying it and they have reported a better uh, productivity.
1: Correct. It's logical because precision spraying is possible. Uh, One is your cost of uh, spraying should come down. Second is you should be able to target the spraying. It's not just productivity. I suspect residue levels will be lower.
0: And and what we hear is that uh, even any problem with the plant detection, uh, disease detection, that also is improved. So I think those could come in handy for your for the AI and uh, ML and other things. Correct. So uh,
1: Or that early is we want to apply drones. You are absolutely right. If you can use multispectral imaging and uh, observe the uh, the fields from above, then uh, we can predict uh, with even greater accuracy the potential onset of diseases and pests. That and is that a very clear application.
0: And the government is supporting service-based drone. Think, so. Yes, that's correct. So that is what uh, you mentioned. That's correct, sir. Okay. Sir, and uh, what about your funding general?
1: So uh, we raise funds as we need it. We use a combination of debt and equity. We use equity for growth. We use debt for working capital and asset creation. From that perspective, we are a relatively conservative uh, uh, company. Uh, We don't use uh, equity indiscriminately. We have eight uh, large impact investors, uh, impact and developmental financial institutions as our backers. We have raised close to $150 million so far. We have, uh, I mean, nearly half of it is still left with us. We continue to raise on the basis of, for us finding the right investors as important as finding the right amount of money. Uh, Not all investors can operate in this environment. The mistakes I make this year will be known next year. So this requires patient capital. It requires capital that comes with guts attached. And uh, we'd rather work. uh, We've been fortunate in having eight investors who have demonstrated this and have been very steady hands. And we'd like to continue working with those kind of investors. So, if you find a good investor, we'll onboard them and we'll welcome them into the company with the the capital and the other benefits that they offer. And what I want to know the other one is
0: how are policies impacting your relationship with clients as well as your sellers and buyers?
1: I think. this is an area where there is alignment across the spectrum on the need to uh, you know, provide solutions. It's still the largest employer. It is still a sensitive area while we are out of the woods when it presently on supply, the supply disruption possibilities remain real as we know. So I think uh, uh, intent is aligned. Policies are moving at different velocities. Uh, I think uh, usually it is two steps forward, one step back, as we know. But uh, I think uh, we have only seen support in every state we operate. We have seen only support. I think the from the agricultural officer to the secretaries, they have been extremely supportive of our effort. We have got a lot of guidance. The amount of knowledge that is resident in these states is non-trivial and what a Maha FPC does or what a TNAU does is uh, truly phenomenal stuff. We've got a lot of guidance. In fact, we have a lot of partnerships now with institutes. We have partnered with ICAR, IHR. We have a partnership with uh, NIFTEM, that is uh, our uh, Indian Institute of uh, Foot Crossing Technology. IIIT-DM uh, is a partner for us. National D- Design and Research Forum, Dr. Mahilswamy Annadurai has uh, introduced partners to us. So, There's a lot of institutional knowledge there hasn't been a bridge between academia and industry because industry has been unorganized in this case. We hope to bridge and create that. So I think this is an area where there is alignment on the problem statement. There are approaches that vary by state and the center has its own approach. Usually we have found support across the spectrum in implementing. Otherwise it's very difficult in this space. Very, very difficult for a company to do it on its own. And you have been able to break even or not. We cover our variable costs. We are yet to cover our fixed costs.
0: Okay, sir. It's been nice talking to you. Anything yeah. else I might get back to you?
1: Sure, sir. I'm definitely.
0: Ventilated sure. cold storages for onions, innovations in cold supply chain. All these look very exciting. Thank you very much, sir, for your valuable insights.